Welcome to the Movie Journey Podcast, where we break down every film from the IMDb Top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and after our very in-depth and lengthy discussion of this amazing film that we really can't add too much about, I can just see everyone thinking, Look on a mask with my boy. And I'm Dan Jeffrey, and it's one time, it's one time I'll talk to you about The Godfather. Is it this one time or this two times? We'll see how we go, Hendo. Nah, spoiler alert, it will be a, a, a split episode here. Yeah, yeah, I think we've got a... Then we'll be talking for quite a while on this one. Well, we're basically going to just read the script to each other, so we'll see how In we go. In the accents. Well, of course. Yeah, exactly. And today, we are breaking down... Can I just, can I just say one thing? I believe in America. <laughs> the Godfather... <laughs> <laughs> now go on. What are we breaking down, Hendo? I just said it. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right, strap yourself in for some trivia here because uh, I've got a lot of trivia for this film. I would hope so. I've done some research on this one. Okay, be honest. Did you read all of the trivia on IMDb? No, I barely go through the IMDb trivia now. Really? Yeah. Some good stuff in there, Hendo. i got better stuff. So, The Godfather is a 1972 American what? crime film directed by Francis Ford Coppola, who co-wrote the screenplay with Mario Puzo, based off Puzo's best-selling 1969 novel of the same name. Okay, what do you know about this novel? That it remained on the New York Times bestseller list for 67 weeks and sold over 9 million copies in two years. Okay. Do you know there's no sequel to this? I mean, I'm sure I would have found that out when I started looking at trivia for The Godfather Part 2. You think so? Yeah. I was fascinated when I was was reading about this. The, The Godfather book that this is all based on ends with the end of this movie, basically. Yeah. So, they keep going on the next one. How good is that? It's very impressive for Godfather Part 2. Okay. It's going to take us a while to get to Godfather Part 2, I reckon. I mean, I would estimate in two weeks' time we'll be talking about the Godfather Part 2. You're not going to go three parts for Godfather? Godfather Part 1? You can do (laughs) three-parter. I don't know. I think I I could certainly see you next week going, all right, let's cut it off there. Let's do another. Let's do a third part. We'll see. We'll see. All right. The film stars Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, James Kahn, Robert Duvall, Talia Shire, John Cazale, and Diane Keaton, along with many others along the way here. Can I just throw in some trivia? All right. Did you know that Al Pacino, James Kahn, and Diane Keaton all got paid the same fee? Pretty sure it was $35,000. It was $35,000. Wow. Like, kudos to them back then for paying Diane Keaton the same as Al Pacino and uh, James Kahn. Well, these were up and comers. They weren't big, huge stars at this point. Yeah, but like, I mean, if there's, I just imagine that if there's pay issues where women aren't getting paid the same in Hollywood now, I can only imagine how bad it mm. would have been in the 70s. Uh, definitely. And she, like, she does not have anywhere close to as big a part as like James Kahn or, or Al, Al Pacino. Pacino. Now, the story spanning from 1945 to 1955 chronicles the Corleone family under patriarch Vito Corleone, focusing on the transformation of his youngest son, Michael Corleone, from reluctant family outsider to ruthless mafia boss. Did you know that they weren't allowed to use the word mafia in this film? I did hear or that. Or La Costa Nostra. I didn't hear that. Yeah, because to get like the um, approval of the, you know, Italian-American group in America, some some group, that was their conditions. Don't use those words. And it's like, well, apparently they used mafia in their script twice and took it out. Okay. And they didn't have the other one at all. Yeah, fair enough. Because, I mean, it's just referred to as the family yeah. over and over again. Yeah. Family. So I said music by Nino Rota. We'll speak about him coming up and in Godfather Part 2. Cinematography by Gordon Willis. Paramount wanted the picture to be directed by an Italian-American to make the film ethnic to the core. Sergio Leone. Sergio Leone was Paramount's first choice to direct the film. I mean, not a bad choice. Let's pretty be honest. good. Pretty good. He turned down the option in order to work on his own gangster film. 
Once Upon a Time in America. Also a good decision from him. Peter Bogdanovich was then approached, but then he declined the offer because he wasn't interested in the mafia. They had five more directors who were all offered the position and declined. They then went to Coppola, who initially turned it down because he found Puzo's novel sleazy and sensationalist, describing it as pretty cheap stuff. Well, because the original version was set in modern day, aka early 70s. Yeah. And it was like set in Kansas. Yeah, that's what they wanted to do. Like, it's just... With a two and a half million dollar budget. Oh, it's just a cheap, cheap way of doing things. Mm. Coppola ended up reversing his decision and took the job as he owed over $400,000 to Warner Brothers for budget overruns with his film THX 1138. Coppola agreed and received $125,000 and 6% of the gross rentals. Gross rentals? Rentals is also known as like the ticket sales. Oh, okay. Yeah. So not rentals. No, no, no. Okay. Okay. 6% is enormous. Yeah. And we'll get to what that eventually would look like at when I get to box office and things like that. It's amazing that they agreed to give him 6% of, of box office. I mean, I guess they didn't think this would be a big hit. Well, like you just said, and like what I mentioned as well, they wanted to do a small, cheap, just regular mafia-style movie for $2.5 million set in the modern times in Kansas. But Coppola argued for it and said, I want to do something different here. Obviously, he wanted to have the same period, time period as the as the novel in the 40s and the 50s. And, be- and because of the fact that the novel was getting increasingly popular, obviously make, like selling millions and millions of copies, they went along with it. They upped the budget, which continued to get more and more higher as the movie went along with uh, certain things that were happening, which we're going to get to here. But we're going to look at casting first, Dean. So, the casting of Vito Corleone. Yes. Mario Puzzo. Okay, I think I've said his name wrong or different every single time. How do you say it? Puzo? Puzo? Puzo. 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 Mario Puzo. Puzo was first to show interest in having Marlon Brando play Vito Corleone by sending a letter to Brando in which he said Brando was the only actor who could play the Godfather. And despite Puzo's wishes, the executives at Paramount were against having Brando, partly due to his poor performance of his recent films and his well-known short temper. Yeah. Coppola favoured Brando or Lawrence Olivia for the role, but Olivia's agent refused the role, claiming Olivia was sick. However, Olivia went and starred in Sleuth later that year, so that's a bit iffy. Is Lawrence Olivia the guy from Gladiator? think so. The name is super familiar. Like the drunk guy that we spoke about who was like an alcoholic on the set of Gladiator who died? No, that's Oliver Reed. Who's Lawrence of Olivia? He's like the Shakespeare guy, isn't he? He's not Lawrence of Arabia, is he? No, that's Peter O'Toole, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, sounds familiar. I think he's a big Shakespeare guy, Lawrence o- Olivia. Oh, Lawrence Olivia was in Rebecca as the main guy. Maxim. Maxim. Maximilian. His number one known for movie is Sleuth with Michael Caine. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So after that, the studio mainly pushed for Ernest Borgnine. A uh, bit of a weird... Borgnine. Yeah, Borgnine. Others considered were George C. Scott, Anthony Quinn, and Orson Welles. In fact, Orson Welles lobbied to get the part of Vito Corleone, even offering to lose a good deal of weight in order to get the role. But Francis Ford Coppola, a Welles fan, had to turn him down because he already had Marlon Brando in mind for the role and felt Welles wouldn't be right for the part. Yeah, I can see Wells in this role. Certainly wouldn't be no Brando, that's for sure. I mean, who is, Hendo? Who is? So after months of debate between Coppola and Paramount over Brando, the two finalists for the roles were Brando and Ernest Borgnine, but the Paramount president didn't want Brando unless he performed a screen test. And Coppola didn't want to offend Brando with a screen test and basically tricked him into doing a screen test by going to his house with some test equipment that he needed to check out. So he got him with his... uh, cotton ball stuck in his cheek yeah. and got him in the gear and did a fake screen test without him knowing chucked it in the uh, basically the Paramount mail of all yeah. the different rehearsals they had going yep. they saw that and they were like yep alright Brando's in let's do it Okay. they did have a couple of stipulations though they had to he had to have a lower salary as usual that he's expected and they had to put up a bond to ensure he would not cause any delays in production as well 
I mean, Brando must really have wanted to be on this film. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Like, for him to agree to a pay cut to be in this film is pretty big, I think, for someone like Brando. He ended up earning $1.6 million from this movie. So he got a percentage of the gross as well, From a he? net participation deal. So I, I, I don't think it was a percentage of the anything. It's like you get a certain amount of money based off how much you actually do with this movie. Like, including, you know, probably- Promotional tours? Yeah, things like that. Okay, fair enough. So one thing I didn't actually realise at the time when I was watching it, but then now that I think about it, I think I actually had heard this before. Talia Shire is the sister of Francis Ford Coppola. Okay, I did not realise that either until I was reading about it. That's that's pretty crazy. Apparently, he he thought she wasn't right for the part because she was too pretty. Come on, Francis. <laughs> what is it with you and Talia Shire? You're not a big fan of hers at all. <laughs> no, I just like leave it. Adrian alone. <laughs> I like her in this. All right, it's it's she's she's goody. I didn't realize. Yeah, I definitely did not realize that uh, she was she was Francis Ford Coppola's uh, sister, though. But I mean, Francis has a lot of family members in this film. Yeah, believe that the child is Sophia Coppola. Yes, the yeah. child who is playing Michael. Yes, no, Anthony. Sorry, that's right. Yeah, who that. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the child that's playing Anthony is played by Sofia Coppola. Yeah. So, originally, the part of Paul Gatto was offered to Robert De Niro. Mm, thank fuck he said no to that. Definitely. Apparently, a spot on a crime comedy movie called The Gang That Couldn't Shoot Straight opened up because Al Pacino quit the project to work on The Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> so Robert De Niro auditioned for that movie and got that role and he left The Godfather because of that. Well, apparently it was part of the deal that the whatever crime drama you said would only release Pacino if De Niro would come in. That's ridiculous. Isn't that insane? I know, right? So everyone was cast except for Michael Corleone. And this took forever to get an actor for the role. They wanted to get a popular actor. They were looking at either Warren Beatty or Robert Redford. Well, I know James Kahn auditioned. He yes. wanted Michael. Yeah. Pacino was Coppola's favourite for the role, as you could picture him roaming the Sicilian countryside, and he wanted an unknown actor who looked like an Italian-American. Mm. But the studio felt he was too short. Yeah, exactly. They even had Dustin Hoffman and Martin Sheen audition for the role too. Ugh. I saw Martin Sheen's audition. Really? Yeah. He's got a moustache and everything. I saw, like, long, longer hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Coppola still keep pushing for Pacino, kept brushing everyone else aside. They eventually caved and said, that's fine. They still wanted James Kahn, though. They got him in for Sonny, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, so Coppola really pushed his weight around this movie. The producers became frustrated with him over the number of screen tests he performed without finding a person to play the various roles, which was racking up the money. The production quickly fell behind because of Coppola's indecisiveness and, com- and conflicts with Paramount, which led to more money being escalated into the movie. While filming, Coppola said that he felt he could be fired at any point. Yeah, I read about this. Like The studio just could not stand Coppola. Yeah. Yeah, they were not they were happy with him. They were trying to replace him so often. Crazy. But apparently, he came in under budget and before like early schedule. Exactly. Than what they expected. So, yeah, good for him. He was aware they had asked another director to take over the film because they feared that he was too inexperienced to cope with the increased size of the production. He was convinced that his film editor and assistant director were conspiring to get him fired. The editor complained to the producers that he couldn't edit the scenes correctly because Coppola was not shooting enough footage. The producers looked at the footage and said they were satisfied with the amount they'd had, told Coppola about it. He had... He, Went and fired both of them. Yeah. I actually heard that when uh, uh, Coppola first handed in his, you know, quote unquote director's cut, his version of the film, the studio was not happy because it was two hours long. Like, nah, we want more of the family. Which, like when they say we want more, what else would they be putting in if not the family? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he added he added a lot more and it got out to, yeah, I, I watched two hours and 57 minutes, I think my one yeah, was. Yeah, that was the one I watched too. Yeah. Paramount wanted The Godfather to appeal to a wide audience and threatened Coppola with a violence coach to make the film more exciting. Yeah, apparently the, the scene where Carlo beats up 
Connie was basically added in mm-hmm. just so there's more action yeah, in the film. Exactly. It's fascinating reading all this stuff. Yeah. So the budget ended up being roughly six to seven point two million dollars. The Godfather was a massive blockbuster, breaking many Huge. box office records. It was the fastest film to reach $101 million. It w- was- 101. 101, yeah, to break that $100 million. I mean, you've broken the $100 million mark when you make $100 million. 23 consecutive weeks at number one, which is you know unheard of these days. These days? Yeah, I mean, movies don't, they don't stay at the number one for that long because it just keeps rotating through so many movies. What was the last biggest film, Endgame? Yeah, and even that was only for, I think it was like five to six weeks before yeah. Deadpool 2 took over it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, it took over Gone with the Wind to claim the record as the top rentals earner, a position it will retain until the release of Jaws in 75. The film repeated its native success overseas, becoming the highest net earner. Profits were so high for The Godfather that earnings for Gulf and Western Industries, which owned Paramount, jumped from 77 cents per share to $3.30 a share for that wow. year, which is huge. It was re-released five more times, and since 1997, it has grossed between $246 million to $287 million worldwide. That is the final box office gross for The Godfather. It is the highest grossing film of 1972 and adjusted for ticket price inflation in North America, it ranks among the top 25 highest grossing films of all time. I kind of miss an era where a film like The Godfather could be released and be the highest earning film of the year. Yeah. You know what I mean? The film received universal acclaim from critics and audience with praise from the, for the performances, particularly those of Brando and Pacino, the directing, screenplay, cinematography, editing, score, and portrayal of the mafia. The Godfather acted as a catalyst for the successful careers of Coppola, Pacino, and other relative newcomers in the cast and crew. Additionally, the film revitalized Brando's career, which had been on the decline since the 1960s, as he went on to star in Last Tango to Paris, Superman, and Apocalypse Now. He's career just went back up yeah nice good for him he was only like 47 i think when filming that always blows my mind he looks so old in this What's well, the makeup, mate? Oh, the makeup's incredible. Yeah. Did they have uh, Academy Awards for makeup back then? I don't think they did. Yeah. Have you seen the uh, mouthpiece that he would wear? No. It's on like display in a museum. Oh, really? Yeah. It's oh, like cool. It's like a fake jaw, and then you've got these like I think they've read these two big red things that sit like on these on the bottom part of his jaw that sort of pushes his his uh, his bottom lip chin out. Wow. Yeah. All right. Pretty cool. Nice. But The Godfather was nominated for eleven Academy Awards. That year. Yes. That would put it in like what? Top echelon oh, of films. Definitely nominated. top echelon. Yeah. It won three of the 11. The ones it was nominated for that didn't win was the three supporting actor nominations for James Kahn, Robert Duvall, and Al Pacino. Yes. Which insane. They, they lost to Joe Gray in Cabaret. <laughs> Pacino didn't attend the ceremony in protest of category fraud. He reckons he should have been nominated for best actor alongside Marlon Brando. Okay, but who decides that? Is that an academy decision or is that yeah. a studio decision? No, it's academy. Is it? Yeah. They decide what they get nominated for. But like studios decide what they like push for. Yeah, but if you want to look at something from you know this year, Judas and the Black Messiah, they pushed Lakeith Stanfield for best actor and he gets nominated for supporting actor. Okay. I mean the the acting noms are crazy. Should it's so hard. Like, yes, Al Pacino has more screen time than Brando. And yes, I guess the over like arching story is of This is Michael's Michael story. Cor- Corleone, but I don't know, like he's he's barely in the first hour. And Vito's barely in the last. Yeah. Yeah. I get I mean it's it must just be Brando was a big star. Yeah, that's him what it is. Best actor. That's what it would have been. Yeah. It was also nominated for Best Director for Francis Ford Coppola, which he lost to Bob Fosse for Cabaret. Yeah, that's crazy. Lost Best Costume Design to Travels With My Aunt. It lost Best Sound to Cabaret. Lost Best Film Editing to 
Cabaret. It lost Best Original Score to Charlie Chaplin's Limelight. I mean, okay. The score is one of the greatest scores of all time. It's insane that it lost, let alone to a Chaplin film. Come on. The reason why it lost is because it was withdrawn, because it became ineligible, because it was used already in an Italian movie called Fortunella. Okay, that makes sense then. And it was replaced by a nomination for Sleuth. Okay. Yeah. But the three it did win was Best Adapted Screenplay from Mario Puzo. He wasn't present at the award ceremony, but his daughter accepted the award on his behalf. Is she a Native American? No. (laughs) Moving into that, Marlon Brando won Best Actor for this movie and didn't attend the ceremony and chose to have Sachin Littlefeather accept the award on his behalf, who got up there and said that Brando refused the award due to the poor treatment of American Indians in the entertainment, as well as the recent wounded knee incident. And he got, she got a lot of boos and jeers. She got booed off stage. No, at the start. Booed off stage, Hendo. But then when she said why she was there, it all turned into applause. Like, yes, bravo, bravo. Really? Yes. Okay. And of course, this one, the Academy Award for Best Picture. Thank God. Sounds like it could have gone to Cabaret. I mean, Cabaret won a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But since it's released, The Godfather has been widely regarded as one of the greatest and most influential films of all time. It was selected for preservation in the U.S. National Film Registry of the Library of Congress in 1990, being deemed culturally, historical, or aesthetically significant, and is ranked the second greatest film in American cinema behind Citizen Kane by the American Film Institute. Well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Not a big Citizen Kane fan, eh? Neither are you. Oh, it's fine. It's a fine movie. It's a good movie. Just say, no, I'm not a big Citizen Kane I mean, Kane it's fan. no Godfather. Yeah, it's not even close. But let's take a look at the history of The Godfather in the IMDb Top 250 list. This debuted onto the first list, 26th of April, 1996, at number 17. Really? Yes. Okay. And by September 1999, it was at number one. Good. It stayed at number one until 2008, with the exception of January 2002, when it dropped to number two for a month, for some reason. But in mid-July 2008, it started going up and down between second and third for about a month, until it rested right in its spot at number two from this, from August 2008, to where it's been there ever since where it sits with 1.7 million votes with a 9.2 average. Yeah, the only film with a 9.2 average on IMDb. And that is the trivia for The Godfather. Thank you very much. We'll come back next week. (laughs) Nah, let's get into it, mate. Let's start off with a nice black screen and that score. Just kicks in perfectly, doesn't it? It's fantastic. And then we get one of the greatest opening lines of all time. You've already said it. Can I say it this time? I believe in America. That was me. <laughs> no, it wasn't. You do it. You do it. <laughs> I believe in America. That's terrible. Can I just say, I think, and I know you're going to do it a lot, and for the most part, and it's rare I say nice things, I think you're actually very good at impressions. I think your godfather is terrible, by the way. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> and, I, and I don't say that as someone who thinks I have a good godfather. It's just, it's one of your weaker ones that you, you say- You're talking about raspy godfather? You, you, you say the, uh, it's a comic godfather. What? It's so bad. You couldn't even think to call me godfather. It's shocking. I can do, I can do, uh, I'll try and do Brando's sort of squeaky, I'm going to make him an offer again. Refu- no, okay, that's, wow, that's awful. That's like- You uh, can't do a Brando. You can't like impersonate Brando. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, make him an offer he can't refuse, yeah? Yeah, you see? <laughs> my damn hooligans. No, but this scene is my... Excellent! Yeah, look, right, this movie, 
I think I wrote excellent question mark maybe eight times. I wrote it none. I know, I, that's right. You came in and you said you didn't even have an excellent. Yeah. So you did just think, oh, fuck it, I'll do it now. No, because there were two scenes where I was like, okay, it's either this or this. And just thinking about it, like to myself then, it's, it's, it is this. Like okay. this opening scene. You could pick any scene in this movie and I would not argue. There are so, as you say, there are so many possible excellence. Yeah. It's weird because normally when you say, do you struggle to get an excellent here? It's not that I struggled, but this film's just so consistent. There's some movies where you can't find an excellent because nothing stands out. And in this case, everything stands out to the point where almost nothing stands yeah, out. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Everything stands out, so nothing stands out. Yeah. Uh, this this opening scene, firstly, this opening shot where you start with just this face. Yeah. I believe in America. And then you get that slow drawback as he's telling this story about his his daughter who's been attacked. And then it slowly pulls back and you just see the back of this guy. And then he starts talking, you know, and it's just the setup to this character and the performance from Marlon Brando is is phenomenal. Plus, also, you're watching it knowing you're about to watch The Godfather. It's an interesting first line once you realize what he's talking about as well. Like when you hear, I believe in America, it's like, all right, let's let's hear why you're so patriot, like why such a patriot to America. And it's him wanting vengeance and death on these people. He's saying he believes in America and he's saying like, I did the American way. I did the legal way and this is what I got. You know, like I went through, I called the police. I called the, we went through the courts and these, these guys, this, they smiled at me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so good. So they beat her like an animal. (laughs) Oh, that's, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Shame on him though. You know, saying his daughter will never be beautiful again. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. Real beauty's on the inside, mate. Look in a mirror. Just, just saying. He's no, uh, he's no Brando. (gasps) Do they mention that he is an undertaker in this scene? No, they don't. Okay. They definitely do not. Yeah, there definitely would have been some pretty strong foreshadowing if you heard he was an undertaker. He's like, and he goes, I might come to you one day. It's like, he's going to come back to him. Ooh, all right. Now he needs an undertaker later. Something's going to happen. And this day may never come. I mean, yours isn't that at that crash hot either. That's- I said it's not good. Brando has like, you can't do it. It's this... It's got a it's got a bit of a weird squeak to it as well. Why did you go to the police? Why didn't you come to me first? And I love this bit. Did you? Because I watched this. Uh, I watched some of this movie with subtitles, just so I had the names all you know, yeah. accurate going through. Um, which I've never done for this film, and it it did help a bit. But this bit here, where where this guy leans in, Bonacera, this guy's, uh, where he leans in and whispers the sub. Yeah, the subtitles say, "I want them dead." Yeah, I yeah. want them dead. Whereas you literally hear nothing. Like you don't hear yeah. him say anything. Which is interesting because when it gets to other parts of the movie when they're speaking Italian, there's no subtitles. Oh, oh God, that shit me. Because I thought something was wrong with the genuine copy that I was watching. I just went with it. Yeah, okay. I, I played around with subtitles, like, have I have I done something wrong here? Because there is a scene, like, pretty close after that where there is subtitles in Italian, from, from Italian speak, yeah, and I'm like, yeah. okay, so that must be deliberate. Yeah, yeah. But, no, uh, like, the Godfather- He's disrespected here. I mean, he's, he's just- You don't come, come and see me, you know, have a cup of coffee with me? He's hurt. No, what? Because what? he's being treated not like this revered, respected, like, friend, right? This guy's coming to him like, hey, friend, I've got this issue. Can you help me out? Can you do me a favor? He's treating him like a paid thug, right? Like a paid assassin. Because he says, he says, how much shall I pay you? And he's just like, what have I ever done to deserve such disrespect? Yeah, why, did, why would he need to do that? Especially when you find out that on the day of his daughter's wedding, he has to, re- like, accept any yeah. Yeah, request. Uh, but, yeah, it's just... <laughs> 
Oh, I just, I, I, lo- I love this scene. Like, yeah, every- it's fantastic. Everything Brando does here is just like it just sets up this world. So just some of the so looks well, that he gives, like, like we see, he scratches his face, he's like, eh. like it just he, he gives off these great looks and reactions to what's going on. He's very, very good. Not just in this scene, but in the entire bloody movie. Oh, he's yeah, he's incredible. And I love that he's not like I love that he's a reasonable man. It's not like okay, you've said the right thing, I'll kill him. It's like. That is not justice. Your daughter is still alive. You know, he's very, yeah. like, logical. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, he's never uh, portrayed in this movie as just a straight-up gangster. No sunny. He's no sunny. Yeah, exactly. Right. He's very, like, calculated. Measured. Measured. Yeah. And respectful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Be my friend. <laughs> Godfather. Godfather. <laughs> good. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, I will say, I've watched this film, I don't know, five, six times previously. Yeah. Those five or six times- I missed heaps. Yeah. Right? And I'll tell you now with me, I've seen this film once before. Oh, wow. And it was a very long time ago. Oh, wow. So, I came into this knowing, like, the the key things that happened, but, I like, the the things in between all that couldn't really, like, I didn't know how the story flowed through. Wow. Yeah. See, I, I I know the story, I just... When they are talking about random Italian character and that person's not there, often previously I was like, okay, I don't, I don't really know who they're talking about now. Uh, I remember the name Mo Green, uh, Luca Brazzi. When they said Clemenza, I'm like, oh, I think I remember that name too. So I, this is almost like a first time watch for me. Oh wow, that's so yeah. awesome! I'm uh, keen to hear your takes. Uh, but like, I seeing, mean, my takes are almost exactly like yours. But seeing like Clemenza and Tessio, like, and knowing their names and being like, okay, these are the capos here. Right? Right. Let's see what how they behave. That was great. Like, ah, oh, so much good stuff here. Like, it, like just just seeing like uh, Vito be like, just say to Sonny like, all right, give this to Clemenza. Yeah, it's like okay, that's that job done. Yep, that's great. And then it's like hard cut, like boom, yeah, loud music, wedding time. Yep. Obviously, this film is a very has a very strong presence of family. Clearly, with this movie, and uh, one of the big like relationships throughout this movie is the relationship between Vito and Michael. Yes, and you get that straight away here, where they're going to take the picture, and he's like, "No, no, we're not taking a picture with that Michael. Like, yeah. we will wait." Yeah, it's straight up showing already that Vito is all about Michael. Is you can say not really because he's just waiting. He just wants his whole family there. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I was going to say like, if Sonny wasn't there and Sonny was running late, he'd probably do the same for Sonny. But what it but does, they're focused on Michael. Yeah, they focus yeah. on Michael, and they also set Michael immediately up as some. Someone who is not a part of this group. Exactly. Okay. You've got this gangster family. And I know there are the females there who aren't part of the, you know, official gangster world or work, I guess. But here's all the gangsters in this family. Michael's not here. We wait. It's like, okay, Michael's not one of them. And you get even more of that when he rocks up in his military uniform. In his, like, brown, like, hat and stuff. Yeah. He's a war hero. Yeah. Man, like, I know we're not going to, we're probably not going to be able to actually, like, go through this as a breakdown without going into bits that happen throughout the movie as well. Mm. But the one thing I noticed in this movie, the, the character of Michael and the progression that happens with him. I know you already know this, but my God, it is, it is a fucking fluent, just- Believable. Progression yeah. from where he starts off to where he ends. It is believable. Yeah. It is smooth. And it is just so well handled. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a testament to the writing and a testament to Al Pacino. 
Hundred percent. Yeah, I don't know, remember who this guy is who says it, but he's seeing the the silk bag with all these envelopes of money, and he's just for like, some reason I feel like that was was it Paulie Paulie Gatto was it Paulie I don't know, and he's just like Maron if this was somebody else's <laughs> wedding. <laughs> <laughs> but I love how you got the FBI out the front taking the pictures of all the license plates yep. as well. Yep. Like when you have a mob wedding, you're gonna have them out the front sorting that stuff out. Apparently the what was it the shot that James can't Sonny like busted up the camera was ad-libbed and actually scared the shit out of the guy who was holding the camera yeah yeah because he just freezes yeah. like you watch it and he just freezes against the car and I love Sonny like in character obviously just, just throws the money on the throwing ground. the money yeah. down it's just like yeah, yeah pay like, for it yeah. but I love the like I love the juxtaposition here between the darkness of that room where they do their business yeah. compared to the bright you know, happiness of a wedding and there's so much darkness in this film and I read that a lot of the times they were they made the the scenes especially with Marlon Brando so dark to hide his eye makeup in particular but yeah. his, his makeup from showing and looking you know not as good as it should the cinematographer Gordon Willis was known as the Prince of Darkness after mm. this movie mm. yeah and you can see why yeah but that's a clear decision because that room where they're in where they're doing all the business you can do that with the windows open like the, yeah. the shutters open it makes no difference to you know what's going on in there it's just all mood setting yeah but if you have this the, have the windows open and you all the parties happening outside it's not as uh you know, dark and brooding and mm. deep but you get you get Vito just peering through the window here as Michael arrives with Kay. Hmm. I thought that was interesting. I, I never I never noticed that before. This wedding goes for about half an hour of the movie. 27 minutes. Yeah. And I think it, there's nothing here that doesn't need to be here. No, so good. It sets up every character. Yep. Sets up the relationships between everyone, the personalities between. Like, Sonny is, you know, quite a piece of shit at certain points, having a tiff with... His wife Sandra. Wow. Yeah. No way. Did you must have pulled that off a cast list? They don't say her name in this film, do they? I think they do. I wrote it down at this point. Sonny and Sandra having a tiff. Really, Sandra? Yeah, I think it was. I don't remember Sandra. I love that Barzini. Guess I know more about this movie than you do. I love that Barzini's in this wedding scene, yes. and I never noticed before. And, and they take the picture of him. Yeah. And just a, just a little. Just, yep, 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 yep. Tear it off. Yeah. Good old Barzini. Uh, but no, we get Luca Brasi here. Very famous character. Probably just because of the line, Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. Yeah, because I they really focus on Luca Brasi here and everything he does. And I remember the shot of someone getting strangled and the eyes bulging out of his yeah. head. And I was thinking, is that him? I feel mm. like that might be him. And yeah, he's dispatched off pretty quickly in this film and he's yeah. made such a big deal of here. Yeah, doesn't do much. Yeah, the um, story that Michael tells about Luca and, yeah. and Vito and he's what they this, do. He's this big, scary henchman guy. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, Michael's telling Kay this story, but you see him and he's he's this nervous man. Like, he's so scared. And apparently that when he did his scene with Marlon Brando in real life, yeah. the actor was, like, so nervous at acting alongside Marlon Brando. He was stuffing his lines up. And Francis Ford Coppola was like, okay, this is this actually works really well. Yeah, they had to go the and character. actually put the scenes in of him practicing at the yeah. start. Yeah. Let's let's add a scene and put it in before this of him rehearsing his lines because yeah, it just shows, you know, the level of respect, the mm-hmm. you know, the fear as well that this guy commands. This Incredible. shows this shows the genuine friendship that these two have here. I never took it as nervousness for him. I thought it was ju- I thought he had like a stutter or something like that when he went in to speak to him. Like he he had trouble just speaking in general. Okay. But yeah. you know it is nervousness, yeah. Well, I do now. Okay, I'm just yeah. I wasn't sure if you were disputing that. No, 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 no. Like, oh I don't take it as nervousness. It's like, no, a couple is wrong. It's <laughs> well, no, he, he had a speech impediment. Yeah. Didn't you didn't you see that? Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I love how he's not there for anything. Like, he's come to just say thank you for inviting me to this wedding. Mm. It's nice. Uh, we get Tom Hagen getting explained to Kay here. Do you like Tom Hagen in this film? I think Tom Hagen is fantastic. He is fantastic. He is such the the difference between Sonny. Like, he's, he's the middleman between Sonny and Michael. Like, he's, yeah. he's that straight man who tries to see everything from the business perspective. Yeah. But no, like, you know, I, lo- I love that it's like, oh, no, he's, he's like a brother. He was found in the streets from when he was a kid. Yeah. Vito took him in. Not a Sicilian. He just throws that line in yeah. there. Not a Sicilian, though, because, you know, that stuff's so important. But no, he's, he's going to be a, a conciliary. Conciliary, yes, that's right. I hate that word. I keep thinking concierge. I'm like, no, that's a, that's a hotel person. <laughs> Definitely is. Conciliary. Yeah. We also get introduced to Johnny Fontaine. The uh, He's like the celebrity of the crew here. He is. He yeah. is. Allegedly, he was based off Frank Sinatra. Yes. Um, who obviously disputed those claims heavily. Yeah. <laughs> What's he going to do? Be like, yeah, I owe my career to gangsters that I'm friends with. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So, yeah, no, basically, uh, what do we get? We get the... Uh, there's a story here about yeah, yeah how Johnny Fontaine can't refuse. Yeah. And Kay's like, what was that? <laughs> yeah. What was the, what was the offer? So, either, he, either his brains or his signature is going to end up on the contract. Yeah. True story. True and, story. And this that's, is a line. Uh, it's, it's, that's, that's my family, Kay. It's not me. It's not me. It's Whoop. not me. I love it. I love it so much. And it's good because, like, he doesn't want to tell this story. It's not like he's showing off. Like, he's there is a level of shame. Mm, like, he um, wouldn't have he wouldn't have told it unless Kay pushed the situation. Yeah, because she asks and he yeah. ignores it. He's like, listen to the song, Kay. And she's like, please, Michael, tell me. Yeah. Which we'll see in the last scene, basically the same thing, where she's, you know, begging for information. It's like, come on, tell me, tell yeah, me. Yeah, but the difference between there and now is, like, like night and day. Yeah, he basically yeah. tells her everything here and then at the end is... is yeah. Very uh, reluctant to say anything to her. Yeah. Quick little shot of Fredo here as well. I, I didn't realize how little Fredo was in this movie. Nah, Fredo's a part two character. Yes, he definitely is. <laughs> yes. John Cazali as well. I mean, I think we've spoken about him before and just the, the small career he had, but like the the like the 100% batting average that that guy had. Hmm. He was in five movies and they were all nominated for Best Picture. He's fantastic. Even in this, like obviously he doesn't do much, but- Is, li- is he literally in three scenes? The quick scene at the wedding, uh, Vito's getting shot, uh, and then with in, the, in Vegas with Mo Green. I I think he's in a meeting. No, he's he's in in other scenes where they're meeting after Vito's been shot. He's at the table. Is he? I'm sure he is. I don't think he is because he would he wouldn't be at the table. He's like distraught. I think they sent him off to Vegas at that point. Mm. I don't know. But he's good. He plays that nervous guy so well. Yes, he does. So the thing with this movie is it's very fluent, but there's also like micro stories happening along the way here as mm. well. And this is probably the, this I guess, the second one after the wedding is the Mr. Waltz trying to convince Mr. Waltz to get Johnny Fontaine the role in Hollywood. Are you already past the wedding? I'm t- I'm setting up the point where Johnny goes to speak to Vito. Yeah. And he's like, please help me with this. He's like, I'm yeah. going to make him an offer. I can't refuse. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And like Johnny, like when, when we first see him come into the wedding, he's like, you know, Paul McCartney basically. Oh, yeah. He's Everyone's like the screaming Beatles. and shouting The girls are it. screaming like that. But then when you see him in the, uh, in the room with Vito, I don't know about you, but I was like, oh, his jacket looks really tacky. You know? Oh, I didn't his, think that. Oh, his jacket was like, yeah. It was a tacky jacket. Um, he looks really like his his posture's a lot lower. He's there's no confidence in him at all. He's just this. But is know, that because he's around Vito? Like he needs to. No, I think he's just. He's not going to come like Vito. What's going on, my man? No, he's struggling.
feeling. Like his career's on the down path. He's he's not what he once was. Like obviously he's very popular at this family wedding, but he's not who he was, you know, going to be. And uh, yeah, he just he wants a job. And he's like the, the head of the studio. He says there's no chance, no chance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know what to. Do. You can act like a man. Yeah, he gets he slaps him around a bit. You cry like a woman. <laughs> Godfather, help me, help me. <laughs> Such, so a, good. such a stark contrast to every other person who's come in. It's also such a stark contrast to every other scene that Vito is in. Like, Marlon Brando does not yell at all in this film, except for this bit right here. And it's a snap. It's just out of nowhere. And he slaps Johnny Fontaine. Is this because he is, so he is technically a family member? Like, it's his godson? I mean, what does that have to do with anything? He doesn't um, yell at anyone. I mean, how many other people act like this to him? I believe in America. I don't think he acts like this. He doesn't I mean, break down and cry and shit. He's like, what? What was that? I don't know. I was trying to remember what he said. But still, it's the only time we see him actually outwardly angry. He does have restrained aggression in the meeting with the five families later on when he's talking about if anything happens to Vito. Sorry, if anything happens to Michael. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. this is obviously oh. the most angry he gets in this movie. Yeah, yeah. But no, nah, there's, I mean, another good line here is like, a man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. And I love that when he says that in this shot, you've got fucking Sonny out of focus in the background after we've just seen yeah, him. He's smashing this, a bridemaid. Rooting this chick in this yeah. pink dress and Hagen's got to go find him and he's like, come on. Yeah. You know, it's it's really good. And they talk about Carlo here. Like, Hagen's like, all right, what are we doing with your new son-in-law? Carlo, piece of shit this guy is. Yeah, this guy was actually connected to, you know, gangsters. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And um, he went, he wasn't going to get the part and he went to Brando and like threatened him with his gangster friends. What? And Brando thought he was auditioning for the part and was like, oh, great acting. <laughs> no, Joe, this is what acting? I'm... Yeah, and was like, yeah, all right, let's do it. And called Coppola and was like, all right, he's good. You're like, yeah, it was real, right? Yeah, but, you know, Vito, very smart here. You know, give him a living, but never discuss the family business. Yeah, I love that line when it comes back later on. We're talking about we don't discuss family business. But, yeah, they, he sends Tom off to go talk to this Hollywood director guy. Yes, yes. What do you make of Michael pulling Kay into this photo here? See, this is at the point where he, like, when we talk about Michael and the changes that he makes with his himself throughout the movie and the stuff that happens to him, right now, this is him at his most innocent, I guess. Obviously. Yeah. And him bringing Kay in shows how far their relationship is going to stray when he has to leave to go to Italy, when he comes back, how he treats her towards the end. It just shows the stark contrast of how his character progresses throughout the movie. Yeah. I think it's a good a good contrast, as you say, the end in particular, where, you know, here he's literally pulling her in. Hmm. Whereas by the end of it, he's, he's pushing her away. He's closing shutting the door on her. On her. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's 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 good. It's, it's always annoying when you're in a new relationship <laughs> and there's photos that are family gathering and it's the right thing to do to pull someone to, to pull your new partner into a photo because it shows that you care that you value them that you think they're going to be long term yeah but god if it's not long term the photos suck Vito's like look at how he massacred my photo <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway but that's the wedding 27 minutes so fucking good the, the deer hunter took inspiration from this movie for sure with their hour long wedding I'm pretty sure mm. 
bit different. I mean, is it? I mean, one's a bit of a drag. I mean, I haven't seen The Deer Hunter in a very long time. So oh, I, that, I comment. that is a film where I have I have your Godfather watching experience. Yeah. Where I've seen it once. I guess I remember some some points. <laughs> but I mean, I gave I, I smashed out a five star banger for it because it deserves it. Yeah, we'll see. That's honestly looking at that. That's one that I can see dropping. We'll see. Anyway, let's go to one that spoiler alert won't drop. Might go higher. <laughs> <laughs> this scene, this is a very uh, a very famous scene. The horse head in the bed. Yes, yeah, it is. But I like I like how Hagen goes to him, and Walt's just like yells at him. Oh, loses his mind at him. Yeah. And Hagen Hagen is not the guy. I don't think Hagen very or very rarely raises his voice. He has a couple of arguments with Sonny throughout the movie, hmm. but he's very cool and calm oh, and collected. Sure. He's so calm. He's yeah. getting he's getting screamed at, and he's like, "You have my number. I'll await your call." Yeah, and then it like cuts like Waltz is like check him out and then it cuts to him just Waltz just being like the nicest guy to Hagen yeah like they're at his house and he's like why didn't you tell me you were involved with Corleone's it's like I don't like to use a family name if I don't have to yeah <laughs> also just try and keep on the low key uh, there is a theory that goes out of this film about oranges and how oranges mean death okay I notice there's a whole thing of oranges in this room right now I feel, I feel like that was just a, a coincidence overall because you have oranges that happen when Vito gets shot and because he's using the orange peel when he dies. So the cinematographer was concerned that mm-hmm. so much of this film was drab. Yeah. Um, and not so much like dark or light, just drab. There's a very little colour in it. So they would try and put in oranges. Yeah. Not, you know, to symbolise anything. Yeah, exactly. Just to put in more colour into the film. Problem is, when you're randomly putting oranges into a film like this that has so many death scenes, people can be like, well, that led to this death and that led to... Th-. You could put yeah. anything anywhere. There's, There's death oranges everywhere. all in that scene with the five families as well when they're arguing with each other. Yeah. It's like no and one dies there. Yeah, but there's but it's like that sets death. up the catalyst for oh, all the death yeah. later. Like, oh come on. <laughs> Yeah, but Waltz, I mean, this guy Waltz is is not an intelligent man, but he, he's very calm at first, and he's like, listen, I cannot do this. You know, he made me look like a fool. Basically, he took this girl away from me. Yeah. That's what it is. And he made him look like a fool, and he's like, listen, if there's anything else I can do for the Collions, let me know. And it's like, he never asks a second favour when he's been refused a first. <laughs> it's a good like, line. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> but then Waltz just does what he did before. Yeah, he just yells at him again. loses his shit, starts screaming. <laughs> she was the greatest piece of ass I'd ever had, and I've had them all over the world. <laughs> uh, poor Waltz. But even to this, Hagen has the same reaction. Thank you for the dinner and a very pleasant evening. <laughs> yeah, because Hagen's not like that. He, he keeps it cool, calm, collected. That's so funny because Hagen obviously seems like such a measured person. But at the end of the day, he's a, like he's the only one there. Yeah. He is going to do this thing. He's going to cut a horse's head off himself and put it in a bed. Crazy. It is going to be him, isn't it? Yeah. He hasn't, he hasn't no. bought any goons along with him? Nope. This is him by himself. Interesting. Obviously, it is a real horse's head in the bed. Yep. Uh, it was obtained from a dog food company. So it was the horse is going to be re- killed, killed regardless of the film or not. Yeah. Obviously, the score building up to this scene is fantastic. Yep. Yeah, the crescendo is massive here. And then he's, and this guy screams like waking. And it's funny because you see him and you're expecting something bad, right? And he sort of rolls over and you're like, oh, he's alive. Yep. And it's like, oh, there's some blood there. And he's oh, like, there's a lot of blood. He's covered in blood. Yeah. And you're like, wait, is it not his blood? <laughs> 
I was like, yeah, I mean, if it was his blood, he would have known prior to that. Pretty sure I read that the the reaction was genuine because it, he didn't realize it was an, an actual horse's head sitting in the bed with him. Yeah. Uh, How, you know, it's not like he was actually asleep when they put the head in there. Yeah, you know? and he was told to scream. Okay. Like, listen, I love this movie as much as the next person, <laughs> but we don't, we don't need to be saying stuff like this. Come yeah, so what's up next? We got... Salapso. Salapso. The Turk. Yeah, see, I didn't know. I didn't remember anything about this and the whole drugs. You don't remember the anti-drugs from Vito? Nah. Okay. And the the one the one little line from Sonny that basically starts this uh this sh- you know the the hit on Vito later on. Mm. Yeah. So they talk about they talk to Vito about yeah let's talk to this guy. He's got good drugs to sell. We'll get in the market. And Vito, he's just okay. We'll, we'll sit in and have a conversation. And when they sit down and talk, he's not aggressive. He doesn't tell him to piss off or anything. He's, look, nope. Like, look, I respectfully I respectfully decline. Like as the fact that you're going to go your way and I'm going to go my way, I can have this conversation with you because our businesses don't con- like you know cross paths with each other. And he's, he just tells it like it is. So you know it's a dangerous game to get into, and uh, I feel like my politics I have they'll they'll sort of back away from this if I continue doing this. So I mm. respectfully decline. Yeah, you understand the reasoning, but you know I think hindsight. Well, it's it's really it's honestly I think it's Sunny that the spot the spirals is out of control. If Sunny didn't act like keen on it behind Vito. Slotso wouldn't have the idea that let's. You mean in front of Vito, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he's, he's behind him. Oh, you mean yeah. physically behind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah physically. Oh, yeah, like okay. it gives Slotso that reason to hey, if, if Vito's out of the picture, we can continue with this because Sonny will take over, and he's interested in this, and that's why. When, so what what does he say when he starts talking about the money? He leans forward and starts talking. He's like, oh, do you think it's that? Like he he's he definitely looks intrigued, and he's he's he wants to hear more. But Vito's like, no, Sonny, Sonny, shush. And he's I like, I thought, I thought because because yeah. So Salazzo saying, um, we'll guarantee there's no danger to you. And that's when Sonny butts in. He's like, are you telling me that Tatalia's can guarantee? And Vito cuts him off. No, I got the impression that he was interested in what was going on here. But when Vito's like, just be just sure, sure, sure. And he's like, you know, kid, you know, you're spoiled and rotten. And they think they can speak oh, whenever they so want. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. The way he just like embarrasses Sonny. Yeah. If- and then when he leaves, he turns and goes, no, what are you doing? Why are you talking like that? You never discuss the family business. Exactly. I think he put in Salazzo's mind that Sonny would be interested if Vito wasn't there. Yeah. Because no, what it's... other reason would he have to put out a hit on Vito? Like, he says it's clearly business. He doesn't have a personal thing against him. He takes out Vito because Sonny will take over, who seemed interested in the idea. But you know who's behind the hit, don't you? Yes, the... the... Bazzini. Yeah. Bazzini, yeah. Because Bazzini wants to get into the drug business regardless. I'm not so sure that what you're saying with Sonny's reaction... So you're sort of saying, like, without Sonny's reaction, this wouldn't have happened. I think it would have. I think Bazzini wanted to get into the drug business no matter what, and if you've got Vito as the guy saying, no, you can't use any of my political power, they're going to try and take out Vito. I think you're overstating Sonny's importance here. All right, I can see that. But Vito's still all over it. He tells Luca Brazzi to keep an eye on Slotso and the Tatalias. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He yeah. feel he feels like, you know, you can't just say no to these people and that's the end of it. He knows that there's something that's still going to happen. So it's uh, Christmas time with the Corleones. <laughs> Christmas with the Corleones. Yeah. yeah. I'd watch that. So, yeah, we, we get a little... Uh, you couldn't even think to call me Santa Claus. <laughs> we get a little reminder that Michael is a character who exists here. Um, we see them <laughs> Christmas shopping. Yeah, he's having a good old yeah. time here. What do you want? Just you. <laughs> little spin-off series here. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> Could they be any cuter? <laughs> but no, then we cut to... you, yeah, And we're sort of, like, I think... 
of all the Oscars that this film didn't win, I mean, there's so many, but (laughs) editing. This film is edited to perfection. Like, they keep cutting in between scenes so well that just connect. I I love the editing so much. But now we got Luca Brasi preparing his gun, getting ready to to go and see who we got here. We got Bruno Tatalia. A lot of Italian speaking here. Bruno is the one that we hear they killed, isn't he? We don't actually see that, do we? Because they talk about they got Bruno Tatalia, and they and later on with the five families, like you lost a son, I lost a son. So Bruno was the son they yeah. killed. Yeah, Sonny mentions how they got Bruno Tatalia, and then then and there's a conversation between him and Tom, like we got to stop this war. Like okay. y- you've done one, we've done one. Pretty sure they. I don't think you ever see him get whacked. Okay. Yeah. So that's Bruno Tatalia right here. So who's the head of that family? Do you know the, the other Tatalia? Yeah. Do you know his name? I think I just wrote Tatalia a lot. Yeah. Do we see him get? We must see him get whacked. Yeah. He's the one. He's the in the end. bed with the woman, and they kick in the door and like okay. just shoot. Up yep, the bed. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Luca Brazzi's all right. Oh, poor like, Luca Brazzi. Well, you know, like Salato's just like, oh, I hear you're not happy. You want to join me? And he's like, what's in it for me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty bad acting, mate. <laughs> it was like 50k to start. He's like, not bad, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, that, that brutal stab through the hand. Yeah. So he can't move anywhere while he gets. Um, the look on his face when he gets. It, what's it called? Uh, garroted. Garroted, yeah. Yeah, the garrot wire. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really sort of creepy looking shot mm. when he's just getting choked from behind. Yep. It's uh, pretty menacing. Yeah. But up, we get Salazzo stopping Hagen on the street. And I like how, like, Hagen doesn't want to get in the car with him. Yeah. And he's just like, mate. Well, he doesn't say mate, but what are you worried about? If I wanted you to, if I wanted you dead, you'd be dead already. Yeah. If I wanted to kill you, you'd be dead already. Yeah, just get in the car. Which is, it reminds me of, like, that scene in Goodfellas where. Shocking. You know, I mean, I know. But a scene from The Godfather reminded you from a scene in Goodfellas. I know, but the scene at the end where the FBI, like, stop... Fuck, what's the main character's name? Ray Liotta. Stop Henry Ray Hill. Thank you. Where they stop Henry Hill in the car, and he's just like, oh, I knew it wasn't, you know, the gangsters, because if it was, I'd be dead. Yeah. You know, you don't hear anything. So, yeah, it was good. But this is a hit on Vito. Yeah, Fredo doesn't really do much here. I never noticed this. I never noticed him just, like, pull out a gun, fumble it like an idiot, and drop it. And then Vito gets shot a heap of times. He falls down. Fredo does nothing. He just cries next to him. He doesn't know what to do. Like, roll him over. Is he okay? Like, hey, someone call for help. He has no idea what nothing. to do. He's just, just, oh, he cries. I love the intuition of Vito when he's getting his fruit and he's looking around and he sees things like mm-hmm. moving around. So he, he goes, he, yeah, he gets to run really quick. Yeah. For an old bloke, he knows how to run. Not fast enough, though. He's late 40s, so. Yeah. Did you notice that in the background when Vito's buying the oranges, there's a boxing match fight for Jake LaMotta? No, I did not. Yeah. I just oh. thought it was funny. I was like, oh. Vito, Robert De Niro, Jake LaMotta. Very good. Very good. Uh, And of course, a reminder that, you know, we don't live in present day. You got Michael and Kay walking down the street all happy and they just (laughs) stop and it's like, Michael, Michael, the papers. And it's just like, yeah. That's the only way you find out. If you're not at your house phone when someone is trying to call you, you're fucked. But how how late uh, on is this? Is this the next day? Is this a week? I mean, it must be the next day. That that got that out pretty quick. Vito feared murdered. It's got to be the next day, doesn't it? Two days max. Has to be, yeah. It has to be a short, short uh, cycle there. Yeah. I love how Sonny gets the knock at the door and he's just, instinct is just, get the gun, just hot, like. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like, of course you do that. I mean, the Don's been, yeah. you know, assassinated or at least attempted. Clemenza, just banging so hard on yeah, Sonny. Don't do door. that. Calm down, man. <laughs> now he gets the call. 
Tom's going to be released. He's got some info. Yep. I love how we get back to a conversation with Tom and Solazzo here. Like the, I think the acting from Duval in this scene when he's well, when he's telling Vito's dead. You, your Don's dead. Your boss. You, your Dom is dead. Not d- the Don or Dom. It's Don. Don Corleone. Don. Yeah. yeah. What I think it was Dom. Dom uh, Corleone. Dom. Maybe you're just into that. Into what? Dom. Yeah. Are we talking about Fast and Furious? <laughs> Dom. <laughs> Yeah, the acting from Robert Duvall here is fantastic. That res- like restrained. Yeah, yeah, because he tears. can't. He can't like. He has to okay get over that his like father figure like mm. forget boss. His basically dad yep. has just been killed, and he needs to get over it immediately mm-hmm. and try and patch things up so more people don't die. And he actually like it's funny because you get Salotto here like okay you got to go back and calm down Sonny get Sonny to agree with it. That's what Tom does. Yeah, like Salotto talks sense into Hagen. Not that Hagen wouldn't have understood, but what Salazzo does here works with Hagen. Yeah. You know, it's not like he goes back and says, oh, we've got we to gotta get this guy. Like He's like, listen, it's done. Yeah, he wants to, to stop. He's the voice of reason in all this. Yeah. Yeah. But even here, it's not even like he's just being a yes man any either oh, just no. to get away from here. Because he says to Salazzo, like, Sonny's will come after you with everything he's got. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's why you've got to talk sense into him. Yeah, so the family get together for a chat here, figure mm-hmm. out what their options. I think it's Sonny. Is Sonny saying that they might have to do the, the deal here if Vito dies? They might have to just go along with it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and who is it that says, nah, we're going to kill him? Michael. 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 Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! Yeah, he's already here. So- this, this quiet, not gangster is just sitting there and he's just like, he's the first to say, you're going to kill all those guys? Yeah, so you can see some gradual changes Stay in Stay out of it, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> Once he sees that Vito has been shot, most likely dead, yeah. there's the first change in him. Where he He's there for his family. Like, he's... He's the he starts off as the outside of the family, like you said. Now he's he's they're, they're pulling him in. Yeah, good one. <laughs> so was this just on a whim that Sonny figured out that it was Paulie who like set up Vito to get and says, "I get I don't want to say that piece of shit again." Like go out there and kill him. Because Paulie comes in, he's like, yeah, I got, like, I've got He's a- got the package. Yeah. So oh, a pack- no, no, there was no, no, a package no, no. at the door. He comes in, he's like, and, and Sonny's like, have a, have a brandy, have something to eat. Go, yeah. go. And then as soon as he walks out, he goes, oh, what, that piece of shit dead. That was the guy who did it. I'm like, yeah. based off what? Was there something that I missed where it was where he knew that it was him? I'm just going over my notes because I don't remember this. And I've got, yeah, he just said, I've just got, Sonny says Paulie sold out the old man. I don't know why. Yeah. Is that just his emotions? Like, was he right? Or was it just like him being so angry and upset about what happened? He's just trying to blame someone. I don't know. Because it was- I don't know. Was it Fredo that was driving the car? Yeah, Fredo was Fredo was with him. There was no one else with him. Paulie wasn't with him. Was Paulie supposed to be driving the car? I don't know. Ma- maybe that's the case because he's talking about how he's not feeling well here. Like when Sonny's like, oh, have a brandy or clear your nose, mm. clear your sinuses. Was there something that we missed where he was supposed to drive him that day, but he was, you know, air quotes, sick? I mean, if there was, I don't think they showed it to us. Yeah, I don't think we would have missed all that detail. No. For both of us to miss it, I don't think it was there. I think this is more of a Sonny thinks this is the case. We never know for sure. And it just shows the erratic nature of Sonny to just go and blame him and get him killed because of it. Mm, yeah. Because he's an emotional man, this Sonny. He's very emotional. Do you rate James Kahn as an as a, an actor? I just think he's a bit one note. I think when I think of James Kahn Elf. No, I think of misery for some reason. And I think oh, of that yeah, TV sure. what the TV show Las Vegas. Okay, I don't know that. Okay. I think that's where I first 
No, I remember him from Bulletproof. Remember Bulletproof with Adam Sandler and Damon Wayans? I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, he was a bad guy in that Yeah, one. he's a bad guy. I yeah. remember that. He's any, good in this. Or anything else? Oh, yeah, he's really good in this. Yeah. Yeah. He's fine. Like, I wouldn't be like, oh, James Calm, what an actor. But he's he's good in this. Yeah, he is. Like, that's the thing. Like, he's playing that emotional angry man in this, and he plays that well because that's who he always is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, true. It's not like it's a massive acting stretch for him because this is what he kind of is like in most things. Apparently, he got fang dentures for this. Well, like, it, yeah, I saw that. I to saw make that. his yeah, teeth yeah. a bit more sharper. Yeah. Which you can't really yeah, tell. You never say. No, but it's the attention to detail, Dean. That's it. So they get the package with the with Luca Brasi's body armor with the fish. Yep. Is it weird that Sonny doesn't know what that means? And he's like, "What the hell is this?" And they're like, "It's a silly, it's a silly message." It means Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. Maybe it's a, a more old school thing. I don't know. Hmm. It's funny though, because right before that, Sonny tells you know his little brother Mikey um, to hang around Luca's place. Yeah. You know, and Hagen's just like, "Don't get Michael involved directly. Don't do that." I mean, that doesn't long last. And he's this. just like, "All right, Michael, you stay, you stay, and you know, stay at the phones, basically." Yeah. Give him another call, and as soon as he puts the phone up and realizes, what, and then the package comes, he's like, "Eh," just puts the phone down. Yeah. Like, well, that's the end of that. So this scene of them taking Paulie out to shoot him out in the middle of nowhere. I like. We know what's about to happen, but because it just lingers and lingers on, like they're just driving. They're, it's like a montage of them just driving out. And they're yeah. just chatting away, just, just ha- having city. a good conversation. Great cinematography yep. with that. Like you got the cornfields at the front, yeah, and, it, and then the car sort of drives, and you got the corn behind it. It's a really good yeah, shot. Yeah, just hangs on the left as yeah. It's, it's Clemenza, isn't it, that gets out the car? Yeah, he takes well, a leak, yeah. and like he's taking a leak, and then you you just hear the bullets like three times, bang, bang, bang. I love uh, no, I love the shot how because when you have the shot of the car, yeah. you can't see the guy in the back rocker and then all of a sudden you see him appear with the gun yeah. in, the, in the like the shadows in the back of the car and you get the one shot of, of them seeing it and then it cuts to clemenza listening to you the didn't know shot. he was there no no it didn't look like like we knew he was there yeah because he because when, when they stops, when they first get in the car clemenza's like ah oh, sit on the other side no, paulie says that oh is it yeah oh okay yeah sit on the other side yeah okay yeah but when you see the shot of the car just like with paulie waiting there you can't i don't think you can see rocco and then all of a sudden he leans forward with the gun and that's when mm. he comes into focus leave the gun Death the gun all this. <laughs> what do you make of michael not being able to say i love you to Kay? is this because of the changes that have been happening to him now now that he, now that veto has been shot and, you can, and i've been talking about how he, he's been changing because yeah. at the start and during that christmas little lovey montage yeah. we had you could have easily seen him start to say that to Kay. but as this shit's happening now and the family's getting more take more consuming him and you can see what's going to happen to him mm. he's starting to he's starting to distance himself away from Kay here so is okay i i sort of i sort of looked at it a different way all right don't be like that no we haven't argued yet i just want to kindly say argument? go fuck yourself okay no, so you're looking at it like he's doing this i'm looking at it the right way to keep her at bay which I don't dispute. But when I see it, I don't see it that way. I see it Shot as me. he is embarrassed to say, I love you in front of his gangster family because mm. he doesn't want to come across as, you know, soft to these guys. And he wants to be taken seriously as a as a member of this family now. I like my idea better. Yeah, no, I know you would. But that that's how I always read it, that he's embarrassed. Because he's, he's sort of like, mm, I, I can't key. You know, like, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you later. They do kind of mock him, though. After Well, as yeah. it's like, honestly, the guy, who is it? Is it Clemenza? Whoever's um, standing. If, if we don't know who it is, it's always Clemenza. Yeah, okay? I think it's Clemenza. He hangs the phone up after having not said he loves her, right? And the guy, it's like it's like the phone was on speaker. Yeah. He's like, hey, Mikey, why won't you tell the girl you love her? <laughs> oh, I love you with all my heart if I don't see you again, so I'm going to die. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, it's a pisser. And we get some, you know, cook some, you know, slight cooking lessons here. Start with oil, fry the garlic. Again, shout out to Goodfellas, which will later show some more cooking instructions. Got to learn how to make sauce in a, in a gangster movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, what are they? Kay and uh, Michael have some dinner here. It's the last time they'll see each other for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Yep. He lays it down pretty bluntly to her. I don't know when I'm going to see you again. I don't want this, you to get involved. Yep, this is what's going to happen. Yep. Yep. I mean, you can, like, you just see the natural progression of Michael here. Just slowly going down to where he ends up at the end of this movie. Yeah. Because he knows, you know, shit's going to happen now. Yeah. But we get the hospital scene. Did you like this scene? Oh, this scene's fantastic. Very good. Very, very just good lingering scene. shots of empty hallways. Yeah. Just, I did see that they didn't, this, this whole discussion about Coppola not having enough footage for these sort of, uh, for this movie. There was a point where they didn't have enough, like the, the scene didn't linger on long enough. So they actually had to go back and find just one second shots at the end pieces of some of the stuff they'd filmed to put in here, which they pulled out and you just get a couple of just random shots of empty hallways just to add a little bit of extra longer tension mm. in this, which works like fantastic. Yeah. Like when you see that, em- like when you see that seat with the security guard, just it's empty. No one's there. You're like, fuck, you know, what's going to, you know, what's about to happen. You know, what's set up here. Mm. I love the way Michael talks to this nurse here. He's so calm. It's like, do you know mm. my father? Men are coming here to kill him. <laughs> Yeah. Like, please, very, very help matter me of fact. Him. Yeah. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> and then, and then, so you got all this tension building, and this guy comes up in a suit and hat, like they all fucking wear, and it's like, oh, it's Enzo. Who the fuck is Enzo? Yeah, he's like, I'm the baker. It's like, are you? I didn't yeah. know this guy was just pretending. And Michael just casually walks. I'm like, why are you doing that? Do you actually know who this guy is? Yep, but it's good. Like when you got you got Michael and Enzo out front, and Enzo's you know he puts his collar up and yeah, you put know, your hand in your pocket. Yeah, like you got a gun. Apparently, this scene was Enzo, whoever this actor was, his first ever acting scene. Yeah, so when he's uh, smoking the cigarette and shaking, that was legit. Yeah, legit yeah. nerves really worked good. perfect. But even like this car slowly drives up to the front of the hospital, and Michael just slowly yes. reaches in his jacket. Yeah. Oh, fuck off. He's not armed. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's four of them and two at the front. Yeah. They could have taken them. No. Now we're going to get introduced to a very important character here in Captain McCluskey. Yeah, he plays a very key little scene in this portion of the movie. Yeah. Do you know Captain McCluskey from anything? Sterling Hayden? Nope. Oh, you should. He was in Doctor Strangelove. Who does he play in that? He plays Jack D. Ripper. That name rings a bell. Yeah, General Jack D. Ripper. He's the third build in Strange Love. Is he the crazy? He must be the guy who goes crazy. Yeah, he yeah. Is. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I thought so. Yeah, but here's another key term for Michael here. When McCluskey actually just lays one cold on him, gives him a good old punch, busts his jaw open, everything. Yeah, really messes him up. Yeah. Did you notice him sniffling throughout this film after this? No. Apparently, it's like a big thing where yeah. like you constantly are seeing like Michael. Like, and, like, wiping his face because it's fucked his sinuses. Well, he looks pretty busted up after this for a while. Oh, yeah, he really does. Like, even throughout the whole portion of Italy, he's... I mean, we'll talk about that when it happens, but the timeline, I'm very confused about. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, but, no, we've got, uh, yeah, the captain here. I mean, he, he should know better. He really should. He's just trying to assert his dominance. He's swinging that big old police dick. Yeah, but Hagen comes and lawyers him out of the place. Yeah. Hagen's so good. So there's another conversation here. They're weighing out their options. More arguments between Tom and Sonny. 
about is it personal? Is it business? Very good conversations. And, and meanwhile, this whole time, you've got Michael just sitting there, just silent, stewing in his anger and weighing out his options. Mm. And then when you get to Michael, who's just who offers that suggestion, like, you know, I'm a civilian. Why don't I take him out? And it just the way it just slowly moves in on Michael as he as Al Pacino delivers his speech here and just talks about how he could do this. You just see all the gears spinning in his head, how, he, how he's going. He's taking the role here, this very prominent godfather type role as he's really moving himself, ingratiating himself into this family as one of these tough guys who can go out and kill people. Yeah, and I think it's important that it is Michael who does it himself. Yeah. You know, because he needs to establish himself as... He can be a leader. He can be controlling. Yeah, but part of of this world, you know? Yeah, but I love how you also have... Like, after he finishes his conversation here and you got Sonny, he's like, ah, baby Michael, come on, what are you doing? What are you talking about? You you think you can do that? You got... Tom in the background, who's just silent. And he's just, he, he, you can see that he knows this will work. Mm. And he's just so conflicted. Like, do we actually get Michael involved here? He's, I tell you, the middleman here, the one in the middle who's, uh, you know, the voice of reason in all this. Tom Hagen is, uh, just as fantastic in mm. this movie. But Michael's, you know, he's smart as well because he says, he says about, hey, we got people in the newspaper, don't we? We can spin yeah. it. We've got this corrupt he's a dirty cop. cop yep. Yeah. You know, we can do this. And Hagen's just like, yeah, we do. Yeah, we can do this. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's, let's find out the place that they're going to be. And, and, Michael, and Michael ends it with, it's not personal, strictly business. It's like, you know, it's personal. This guy got just knocked, like, busted so his jaw open. So He's definitely personal with Michael. How gets this little scene here with Clemenza showing Michael how to yeah that was good how to do the job it, yeah. was, it was so good it's like all right and I love it because Michael doesn't do these things later you know like, yeah that's yeah it's like okay now as soon as you walk out of the bathroom you know don't do anything else just straight away just shoot just him just walk up shoot you know? him and then and drop then the gun leap drop your gun but don't like drop it up here put your hand to your side and just let the gun fall out and like don't you know don't pause just yeah. walk away don't but run but don't walk avoid away. eye contact but don't yeah. stare at them yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like all those things. <laughs> don't run, but don't dawdle. <laughs> Even like telling like two shots a piece in the head. Yeah. You know, it doesn't happen. Basically, either. everything Clemenza tells him to do, he doesn't do. Yeah. It's really good. But here we go. Uh, what have we got? Michael and Sonny hug and say goodbye. Will they see each other again? No, they will not. Yeah, uh, as they're waiting to find out their location. Yeah. 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 Gives them a couple more pointers. Remember, two in the head, drop the gun, yeah, yeah. do your thing. But uh, they pick Michael up. I like how, so obviously Michael knows where they're going and they're like leaving the city and they're going yeah. to New Jersey. He's like, you're going to Jersey? It's like, oh shit. Uh, and then they lose the tail. It's like, okay, no, nah, that's that's why. Yeah. Yeah, so the restaurant. Hey, the captain's really nice to Michael. Yeah. Like he's like buddy-buddy with him. Like, ah, yeah. He's so, he doesn't th- suspect anything. Where you, you feel like- Oh, no. Nah. Salazzo is yeah, suspicious. Yeah. Like, especially when he goes, he's going to the toilet. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to frisk yeah. you again. Yeah. And McCluskey's like, oh, frisk him. He's like, good. I've got it. Yeah. Especially when, like, he doesn't care. He's, he's basically just there as the guard because Salazzo's like, we're going to talk in Italian now, okay? He's like, mm. hey, do, do what you got to do. I don't care. I'm just having, mm. having, a, having a feed. Did you read the um, the written out of what was said in no. Italian? I did. It was all about family and okay. peace and all that stuff. Okay. There's nothing there. It was fine. It was just annoying for me thinking, am I meant to know what they're saying here? I think it really works well because when it happens like in a second, it makes a lot more sense and we'll get to, get to that in a minute. But when they've had their conversation and you can just you can just feel the tension in this in this scene. If, if this is the first time you're watching it and you don't know what happens, you, you're right there with Michael. You can see that he's still conflicted as he's doing this. Like he hasn't made up his mind. Like, can he actually do this? Like the, the stuff that's going through his mind, like, is he going to be able to pull this off? Like, is the gun even there to begin with? How am I going to get there? How am I going to pull this off where I can actually get up and go to the toilet? And he finally does it and obviously gets frisked again, goes there. And the fact that it takes so long 
for him to find that gun. You have you have your mm. doubt there for a second. Like, mm. Oh, is the gun even there? Is it not there? Yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh shit. Yeah. And he just has to put his hand up even further to pull. Yeah. And then the slow realization, like when when the gun comes, he doesn't pull the gun out immediately. It's like yep. his hand comes down, and then yep. there's the gun. It's like, oh shit, there's the gun. Yeah. And even the point where he he goes to walk out, but he stops for a second, pulls back his hair, like got to yep. mentally prepare himself for this. Yeah. And I would say from the the moment he steps out of that bathroom is my excellent. Okay. Because exactly what you said before, everything he was told to do, he does not do. He stops and stands and he waits. He's still considering what to do here. This whole scene about him being conflicted and deciding how he's going to do this, if he's going to do this, how he's going to do this. He doesn't go up straight away and shoot them. He sits back down. Yeah, it's crazy that he sits back down. But the way it happens where Solozzo continues to talk to him, you don't see him talking to him now. He's speaking Italian, Uh, but you don't care what he's saying. Yeah, it does not matter. Yeah, exactly, which sort of plays into what they were saying before. Like, there's no subtitles because it doesn't matter what they're saying. And especially doesn't matter now what they're saying. All we're doing is slowly focusing in on Michael. He's not paying attention to him, so why are we paying it? We're not paying attention to him either. Yep. The sheer, like the acting from Pacino here where his eyes just darting back and forth, like, what do I do? How do I do this? Like, it is very intense because you you know he's going to you know he's gonna get up and shoot this guy. Mm. And the sound that moves at that, the train, the, the, the gradual sound yeah. of the train coming in building, and it gets yep. building and you're like, holy shit, holy shit. Yep. And then that moment when he realizes, I'm going to do this, gets up, puts one in, in one. the slot. So, yep. Take, he puts two in McCluskey, but I don't think it's in the head twice. It's like no, in the throat. The first one's in his neck. Yeah. And then he shoots him in the head. Yeah. Which, yeah, like he shoots him direct in the forehead on the second one. And he's still alive. Like, he's sort of... Yeah. There's a weird delay there. And then gets up to go. He, he stares at everyone. Yeah. Goes to walk out. Still has the gun. He's like, wow. Yeah. And he like drops it high. Yeah, he holds yeah. it up and drops it. Like, Which is good because yeah. he's not a pro at this. Exactly. You know, I mean, he's a war hero, but like what, what, yeah, what Sonny sure says to him. I'm sure he's killed people. Yeah, you're shooting people from miles away. You're going to get point blank and blow, blow, blow their brains out all over yeah. the table. Bada bing. Yeah, there you go. You get blood all over your Ivy League suit. <laughs> no, I think the way they end this scene here and just focusing on the confliction with Michael and how he's going to do this, if he's even going to do this. And this this, this is probably one of the top two. He's the top two biggest changes in Michael's character and how he progresses down the path of where he ends up. Yeah, yeah. Massive turning point for Michael. And they were originally going to have an intermission with this movie. This is this is the point where they were going to have the, the cutoff point for this yeah. movie. And we figured we'd, uh, we'd replicate that with our part one of The Godfather Part 1. That's it. Final thoughts for part one, Hendo? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I mean, and a half, at a halfway point, this is definitely two and a half stars added on to the total. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is it for this half of the movie. We talked too much about this movie, so we figured we'd have to cut this one in half. I think we made the right decision because I wouldn't want to be skipping over stuff, going too quickly, worried we were going to be going too long. So, yeah, I think the more we talk about a film like The Godfather, the better. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, this this could end up being a, a four-week series on Godfather 1 and 2. Well, let's hope so. I, I, I think we could just pull the pin here and say it is going to yeah, be it this. will be. Yes, We're going to double 1 and 2. Yeah. Because 2 is a lot longer than <laughs> Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, that's going to do it for this week. We will not have a top five episode coming out this week. It is our top five brothers in films, but we will leave that for the second half of Godfather Part 1. So thank you very much, everyone, for checking out the episode. And we'll see you next week for Part 2 of the Godfather Part 1. Part 2 of the Godfather. Godfather Part 1.5. No, that means it's after the movie. Bye. (laughs) Bye.